What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to Oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. Let's go to Rado. Rado, welcome to the stage. How are you? Happy Sunday. What you got? Happy Sunday, y'all. Uh, been a big fan of KF, KFS for a long time. Uh, Chris Persianen, Sean with a W. I don't know who's on the Knicks uh, film school account right now, but whoever you are, appreciate the work you do. Been a fan since the Nilakina days, you know? So this run is deep for me. Uh this is my favorite channel along with Knicks Fan TV. Usually I'll have both live streams playing at the same time. So I just want to show y'all some love real quick. I really appreciate everything y'all do. Y'all give us a really good, like, I want to say y'all y'all give us the nerdy perspective of everything. You guys are great with the numbers. You guys are great with the um, with the cap. You know, Jeremy Cohen with the cap rules, everything. The draft analysis with Chris. Uh, the post games with Macri. Uh, the casuals, you guys always chop it up, have great discussions. So, just wanted to give you guys your flowers first. This is the first time I've been speaking directly to all of you. Um, and I appreciate I'll, you, Rado. I really appreciate. We really appreciate that. Yeah, man. I mean, I love, I love this channel. I truly think you guys are doing a wonderful thing. Uh, shout out Macri. Shout out uh, Andrew Claudio. But uh, I really wanted to talk a little bit of a little bit of everything. But I would like to start off with, uh, you know, the fresh topic, you know, coming off the draft. I didn't think we were going to trade in. I thought we were going to stand pat, but I was surprised to see that we went out of our way to sign undrafted player Jacob Toppin. Uh, you know, in the in, if, if there wasn't a guy by the name of Ob Toppin we, in, in our team, we probably wouldn't even be talking about this. But given the circumstances, I can't help but think that um, this was a little bit of a hand tight while we look for a trade partner for you here, have some fun with your brother type of move. I don't know, man. I don't know how to interpret this. I don't know if they actually want to evaluate the kid. Maybe Tibbs thinks he has some kind of defensive upside. I have no clue, man. I, you can never tell with these undrafted players. So real quick, I just wanted to ask you guys what you thought that was all about before. I talk about some other stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll say first, uh, my, my mic was bugging earlier. Thank you for your count words, everything you said. I really appreciate it, as uh, as does Sean, which he shared. But, you know, just um, 
just thank you for hanging around with us and, and chopping it up with us over the airwaves here. Appreciate you and appreciate you coming up to the stage to, to give your takes out. Um, I, I didn't, I, you know, like when you ask sources about stuff, it's almost like you don't want to bother them too much. So you could keep getting told stuff. And I, I really debated whether it was even worth asking about Jacob Toppin to any of my sources. But like I asked someone about it and they were like, uh, they joke, they said it jokingly. They're like, my joke has been that this was agreed to in 2020. Um, I, you know, I just think it was kind of clear for a while that Jacob was not going to be getting drafted. Um, I personally, you know, was more interested in someone like a Tumani Kamara as an undrafted player than Jacob Toppin. And Kamara ended up being a late riser into the draft and got taken 52 by Phoenix. So shout out the A-10, shout out Dayton. Um, hopefully Fordham gets some NBA placements soon as well. Um, but, you know, next year it'll be Dayron Holmes coming out of Dayton, going in the, the first round. Um, but, but yeah, you know, Jacob Toppin is, a, is an energy player. Um, he's someone that, that seems to match what the Knicks have liked from their 15th men over the years, which is Archer Diacono, great team guy, hard worker. Pinson, great team guy, hard worker, great morale guy, even though Thibodeau wasn't the biggest fan of what he did to boost morale, which is why I think he got replaced by a much more quiet and reserved Archer Diacono. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. But Jacob Toppin is someone who works real hard and 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 who plays real hard. And, and so those kind of seem to be the type of guys that the Knicks like at the end of their bench. Whether he ever touches the, the court uh, on, on 33rd and 8th there, you know, wearing orange and blue, <laughs> I should say, um, is certainly up is a question. I, I just think that this was happening no matter what. You know, I, I, he wasn't going to get drafted and he was going to get signed as an undrafted free agent. It would make sense that he would pick New York City where he is from and grew up and, and where his brother plays. Um, even, even if the vibe is that his brother isn't long for there, um, you know, I, I think that the Knicks are happy to have him regardless as a two-way guy, especially with the new CBA opening up a third two-way spot. So, you know, those those guys that were kind of productive in college, kind of intriguing, but didn't have enough production or upside to get drafted, you're going to see a lot more of them land on, on two-ways. Um, I think Jacob Toppin's the start of that. The other one, Jalen Martin, is the more typical two-way signing um someone who isn't great at basketball at the current moment but has shown flashes of being really great at basketball at the current moment just has to put it all together and and has the frame and athleticism that that makes you enticed to bet on it i I know sam vicini had jalen martin ranked 73rd in this draft I, i only ranked 58 prospects so he did not make my final board at all um but i want to say somewhere like 68 to 70 is where i had him in theory Uh, i just think that uh that was a good pickup for an undrafted you know these are low risk low reward low risk low reward type of moves and so if the reward's going to be low you might as well try to guarantee it for yourself and i think that going with one energy guy and one typical two-way project is a good way to, to go about it. So I, I wouldn't look into the Jacob Toppin thing as any sort of, oh, 
they're saying sorry to Obi for the playoffs. Like, the people have convinced themselves that the Knicks are like a mom and pop shop where Leon Rose just does favors for people he likes. Like, oh, he only got Brunson signed. He he only got Brunson signed because he's family, and maybe also because he is really good at the whole putting the ball in the hoop thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and if it were that easy, then everyone will just go out and just hire a family member of a star, and then you'll get that player. Like, I have an idea. You're like, you know what the you know the Sacramento Kings should do? They should give Luca's uncle a job. Make him head of security. And then Luca will go this. Since it's just since it's just that easy. Yeah, you know, so I I think that um and also the Knicks were trying to hire Rick Brunson a full summer before they got Jalen. It just didn't work out for them that way, uh, for a, a plethora of, of reasons, some good, some bad. Um and basically it's just it's yeah. I wouldn't look too far into the Jacob Top and signing as uh, more than Okay, the Knicks got two undrafted guys that kind of oppose each other philosophically and, and each represent a different approach to filling a two-way spot. One of them, a Kentucky player. You know the Knicks like those. They have good intel on those players. And, and the other, someone from the, you know, the, the overtime elite program, but that actually did show some athletic promise, just didn't really ever shine more than Osar Amen did. Right, you can go to your, your next question. Yeah, uh, I, I like that answer, Chris. Thanks for clearing it up. I know you do a lot of research with these drafts, so I'm always going to defer to the people that, you know, do the bulk of the research. Um, but, you know, I also, like, wanted, like, to mention a little bit how, you know, everybody, like you like you said earlier, this offseason has kind of just, like, been everybody saying, oh, there's going to be a lot of noise. I expect the Knicks to make a splash with the new CBA uh, there's going to be a chance that it's going to be harder to acquire multiple guys on big contracts, so you got to get yours while you can now. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just been really hectic. And we have been seeing a lot of activity, just not any from our front office in particular. Me personally, I don't really mind running this team back because I actually don't feel like – like I feel like we are officially a win-now team, especially with the performance that we saw from Jalen Brunson, which – I couldn't be any more certain that it was 100% real. That man is the real deal. I see him as a bona fide number two on a championship contender, and there's no doubt in my mind about it. I feel like he could be your most important scorer in a number one uh, team if he had the right team around him. That's how that's how highly I value him. Uh, so it's no doubt in my mind we're officially a win-now team, but we're not a we-have-to-win right 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 now team like we're not a team that needs to reach its peak soon i gave us about two or three years i feel like till you know we have jalen brunson completely in his prime we have rj barrett hopefully if he's still with the team in a in a position in which we can call him a really awesome number three maybe a really decent number two on a contender uh julius Randle. i have no idea what our future looks like with him with Julius, I just, I just kind of see him as like, you know, sometimes he's up, sometimes he's down. I never get too high or too low on him because, you know, if you go either way, he'll always come back around. So I always just expect Randall to regress back to the mean, uh, even though he put up a really solid season for us. So my question is, where's all this panic really coming from? I think we're in a great position as a franchise. We have a lot of picks. 
um, whenever the next superstar, like bona fide superstar with no injury concerns, don't talk to me about PG, don't talk to me about Zach Levine. I, I, I'm talking about somebody that can be here long term. You know, we, we I think we're one of the best teams in terms of position as well as like attraction. So tell me, where where, where is this even coming from, man? Like, Oh, it took me forever to get off. Of, uh, it took me forever to get off of mute. Um, it's like, what, so like, where is this, for lack of a better term, impatience coming from? Or like, where is this? Like, is that what you mean? Yeah, like, where's this, all this uproar? Like, I know we as Knicks fans, we're like a really passionate bunch, and I understand. But, you know, all over, well, I've been seeing takes about, oh, we got to trade RJ for Zach Levine. Oh, we got to get... We got to get Brunson some help. We got to do this. We got to do that. And everything's like so abrupt, man. I just don't understand it. We're I'll, coming up with the best season in 10 years. I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from a multitude, it comes from a multitude of factors. Some, um, some uh, understandable, some not. So first, what I'll say is we are, I do realize that like this actually happens just about in every fan base. And I, I always implore Knicks fans who – only listen to Nick games and only watch Nick games and 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 um uh who only watch Nick game they only talk to Nick fans and talk to other fan bases because other fan bases do it too. We have Matt on stage who is a Celtics fan and she will tell you she knows like every fan base has people who are loud and impatient just want the next star the quick fix and 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 and, and, and trade for the quick name um. It comes from a couple of things. One, fans are frustrated because this team hasn't won anything in 50 years, and this team was garbage for the, for the majority of the century. So they want a winner. Um, I also believe that some fans want to get good right away, just so they can talk trash other fans. And they're tired of being the butt. They're tired of being the butt of the joke in, in on NBA Twitter, and they want to be able to say, "Hey, look, we got this person." And um, I've always said to those people, "Listen, I, you, like." If you need your team to be good because you're not good at making jokes on the internet, then that's a different problem that you have to understand, have to undertake. And but also some people just enamored with stars. Some people just enamored with names. They see a name, doesn't matter how good they are, how bad they are, what they you know, like like for example, this Paul George thing. Um Paul George, and I'm gonna look this up my basketball reference right now. Paul George in the last four seasons has played, let's see, he has played 48, 54, 31, and 56 games. That's his last four seasons. So, but you want me to trade for that guy at age 33. All right. So, let's say we trade for Paul George, and everything goes well, and the Knicks make it to the conference final, and they lose a heartbreaker four games to three to the Boston Celtics, right? Let's say that happens. Yes, and Paul George, he played 72 games. He was relatively injury-free. Everything worked out. Everything fell in place. He was exactly what we needed, and we don't win a championship. Well, which is nothing bad. That's not the worst thing in the world, right? Now, Paul George is 34 years old, and Paul George has a player option for the following season, which he will happily opt out of and look at you in the face and say, give me a max. And then what do you do? But people don't think that far. They just think, ooh, name, put him in, it works. Um, these are the same people that thought that uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson backcourt would work. Um, 
And these are the same people who thought that who, who thought that uh, Cam Reddish didn't get a fair shot, and he and there was and there and and, and thought that like oh it, it's Clutchers hated him and whatever, right? So some people just associative names. Some people are generally frustrated, and also do not forget some people just want to talk negatively for clout. Go ahead, Rado. And then one more question, and then we'll and then, we'll, and yeah. then we gotta get to uh, Nat, and then um, and Mr. Danishevsky. Yeah, I definitely don't want to take up everybody's time. I, I could sit here and talk to you guys all day, honestly. But I'll, I'll ask one more question because this is something that I this is a topic I feel rather passionately about. Uh, thank you for your answer on that question. But now I, I want to move toward you know the tips from because my my biggest frustration with the Knicks uh, for the past couple of seasons, um, not so much the first one of his tenure, but the last two uh, has been Tibbs. And, it, and a lot of it has to do with um, how he manages his rotations, but also how he manages Obi. Um, I think Obi's a wonderful, uh, wonderful player. Uh, I think he has some lapses defensively, but what young player doesn't? I think that, you know, he has high hips. He has limited uh, horizontal mobility, you know, as you would like to say. But I think he more than makes up for that with the matchup nightmare that he is for a lot of fours out there. He's, he can be the fastest player on the four at 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, uh, he, ha- he, he has incredibly functional athleticism. You can really, like, see it shining through. He finishes well around the basket. And, you know, he's an amazing, he's an amazing highlight reel. But, you know, more than that, like, when I see the Knicks, they play with pace and they play – um, you know, more decisively, quicker decisions, more steady offense. And the numbers usually back that up when they're with him. And I just think it's the biggest blemish on Thibodeau's resume that he's too hard-headed to find him 20, 25 minutes a game. I really don't think there's any sort of excuse for it. I mean, this is incredibly poor asset management, but it's also incredibly poor like talent evaluation because this kid could be helping us I mean, I'm saying Kip, but he's probably about as old as I am. But this guy could really help us, man. He could help us so much more than what what he's been helping us lately. And I really, I just, I really don't like that we're not gonna get what he's worth, and we potentially stunted his next contract because he is an older young player. You know, he's he's 26 years old. So I just think it's a huge blemish on. Tom Thibodeau's part for that because I feel like as a coach you should be able to incorporate your talent into your roster you're supposed to build the game plan off of what you have I feel like no but so go ahead Chris go ahead Chris I'll be quick I'll be quick I hear you um here's what I'll say Thibodeau does things his way no matter what I don't think that in a vacuum is a good thing. I do think it's a good thing to have a coach that has convictions and beliefs. I also think it's a good thing to have a strategy and analytics department that completely disagree with him and are like, the numbers do not back up anything you're saying. Because at the end of the day, when you average those two out, the real gritty uh, sports perspective with the real nerdy numbers perspective, you get all the angles covered and you can make the best decision from there. The issue becomes when the sports gritty Thibodeau angle is outweighing the other one no matter what. Um, And that's why this season Thibodeau was on the hot seat. I I was talking about this months ago, you know, in in the the, the KFS Discord, which um, you should become a Patreon and join if you're not in it already. Um, 
because it's awesome in there. But basically, like Thibodeau was on the hot seat. He's having, <laughs> I'll, I'll be quiet. He, he's having uh, some some meetings with some choice unhappy people after big losses, um, or a choice unhappy person, I'll say. And uh, basically, <laughs> you know that that didn't end well for him. It ended with the the, the team pretty much saying, "You're going to play our rotation." which is Derek the hell out of there, Evan the hell out of there, and you're going to play more Emmanuel, and you're going you're gonna to give Emmanuel the minutes that like he should be getting, which is what the fan base had been clamoring for for years, which is probably not a good look that they were right and the coach was not. Um, and they said, you're going to play McBride. And uh, Toppin can, can still be Toppin. You know, that can still be your thing. But you've got to make these other changes. And Thibodeau made those other changes, and the team went on a nine-game win streak. Like, that's the that's the least coincidental thing of all time. Um, Thibodeau's rotation wasn't good, and it was losing the team games. And fans were pointing this out, and they were being called unknowledgeable for it, and they were being told they don't know as much as, as the coach. And then the front office was like, hey, coach, you're wrong. Do it this way. And that so happened to be... Some fans, I know a lot of fans wanted Reddish playing over McBride and were upset about the fact that Reddish wasn't playing even though they got more young players, which is what they wanted because some people will never be happy, right? But the point is when they started winning games and Thibodeau was the one coaching the team but not creating the rotation, things worked out really well. And I think that speaks to like his career. Like I don't think Thibodeau can evaluate talent at a level that's high. Um, he got fired for that in Minnesota, you know? So... I think that um, basically once the front office took over talent evaluation, the team got good. <laughs> that, that's not a coincidence. Um, here's the thing, Rado, is that they will gladly trade Obi for everyone else. And by that, I mean if their biggest problem at the end of the year is Obi Toppin, I think they're okay with that if everything else is going well. But when they're doing everything Thibodeau's way and things aren't going well, you can expect some change. And that's why Thibodeau was on the hot seat earlier in the season. That's why people were expecting a shakeup behind the scenes. That's why people were, you know, were expecting moves and, and rotational changes. It, it was because things weren't going well. Um, Francisco Lindor just said it the other day. You don't play well, people start to lose their jobs. Uh, as his friend Eduardo Escobar was traded to the Angels, who desperately need an infielder and, and gave up some whatever prospects for Escobar. Um, basically, when people don't play well, jobs start to get lost. And Thibodeau's rotations weren't working, and they hadn't been working for months, and it was time to make a change. Either Thibodeau was going to lose his job, or Thibodeau's players, like Rose and Fournier, were going to lose their jobs. And Thibodeau picked the players over himself. He kept himself employed and went with the front office's rotation. So, you know, at, at a certain point, you can't blame Thibodeau solely for the Obi Toppin handling because it is the front office that's ultimately been okay with it. But they've only been okay with it when it comes to winning playoff games. Like the We Here season, the team made it to the playoffs. They won a playoff game in game two. And Obi was a big part of that playoff game. So the next season, the expectation was he'd be a big part of the rotation. And he just wasn't. Buried behind Julius Randle, not really getting to show his stuff. Year three, 
the team was bad again, so people were ready for change. They made change, and and that change didn't necessarily involve Ovi because Thibodeau, with how he basically like, you know, God, it's like Thibodeau's lineups are like Wordle when you guess a word and you get a green letter like in like a weird spot, and you're like, damn it, now I got to do the whole rest of this game. knowing I have a letter, but it's, like, the worst letter to know. And that's, like, Thibodeau always wants a rim-protecting center on the court, no matter what. That's a, that's a, his personal thing that they have built the team around. Um, and that's okay. But then that also doesn't allow for someone like Obi to thrive. The front office is okay paying that cost if it means the team is good. But they're not okay paying the cost of Barrett, Quickly, Obi. McBride, Grimes, all looking like crap because Thibodeau doesn't feel like playing any of them. That's a cost they're not willing to pay. At the end of the day, those are all assets that the front office drafted or re-signed or acquired, and they are watching them get devalued by the second by the guy they hired to raise their value. Can't imagine that would make them happy. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D dogs, D-O-G-S dot com and promo code pool, P-O-O-L to receive a free Yeti style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Let's go. Nav's been patiently waiting. Um, so we'll probably do the probably wrap up after these last three callers. So we'll go to Matt, then we'll go to Kevin Nashefsky, and then we'll go to Arthur. Matt, um, thank you for joining us on Nick's uh, Film School. I'm always curious to see here what uh, fans mother teams have to say about it. So the floor is you. Hey, what's up, Sean? Thanks for having me up here. Um, I love the conversation. 
um, everything that's going on. Um, you know, of course, you know, the Boston, New York rivalry, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's not why I'm here. I actually enjoy watching y'all play. Um, you got three players who I will always watch um, every time that they're on the floor. You know, you have Randall, who I put the cape on every time people have something to say about him. Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson. Those three guys, I absolutely love watching um, play play ball. Um, Josh Hart, I thought, was a very smart move uh, to bring him in. And, you know, Jalen Brunson, I thought that that was smart. I thought it was great. You guys did not go and get Donovan Mitchell. I have never been a big Donovan Mitchell person, you know, because and you saw it the first round of the playoffs. And I was like, this is why, you know, he takes the ball out of other people's hands. He just has this go, go, go mentality that, you know, the team's out of the offense and it's just him and then you lose, you know. So that's why I've never been big on Donovan Mitchell. Um, and then you made the smart move. You got Jalen Brunson, and he is a phenomenal guard. You know, um, I thought he was underrated before he got to New York, gets to New York, and now he's he's the starter. He's got the ball in his hands, and look what happens. You know, um, my problem with New York is has nothing to do with the players. I love the guys that you have. I also love Obi Toppin. My problem, Sean, and you've heard me say this for years, it is Tom Thibodeau. You know, he kills young guys, you know, and then, you know, you, you got to ship them out, you know, for this, this and that. But he's always done that. You know, he's always had this problem and he goes from team to team, the teams that he's been on and he does the same shit, same, same, same stuff. And at some point, like this was the year, I think that it's not about a free agent player, but there were a lot of coaches that you could have looked at and this is where I was kind of shocked that might have fit your you know where you want to go and in the future and what you see the team looking like that was where I was shocked that Tom Thibodeau wasn't moved he's got friends in high places because I don't understand it Obi Toppin has had some really great moments in you know in games and stuff and he's young you ha- if you don't play him people don't develop so e- like even him having these bad games it's not even worth mentioning to me if he can't consistently get 25 plus minutes you know if if you can't develop in that time frame then yeah a guy's not going to going to get to where he needs to get to and i saw Obi Toppin in a lot of games he, he was he was hitting threes he he was he, like it was wet behind that three point line and you know he added a lot of value and then he'll get another game where he'll play maybe play like you know the 12 minutes and i'm like i don't understand that and i always get to the common denominator as tom thibodeau you know so I think that you guys have a, a really good team and you have something really good going. You know, I will always hate Tom Thibodeau. Um, you know, not obviously not seriously. I just don't like his, his coaching and I think it's outdated and that's why he, you know, he struggles so much. He's very hard headed. I know this part, like personally him being in Boston, he's a hard headed dude, but he was an assistant you know, coach and he had someone to make up for the things that he lacked and he got to just do defense. And that's where, you know, he excels when you give him too much, you know, this is what you get. And he still hasn't learned, you know, so I kind of, I would have hoped that you guys would have gotten a different coach, maybe younger guy, you know, that can really get that offense going and really get the young guys developed, but it didn't happen. Um, I think now going forward, you know, you can only hope that RJ Barrett, takes even a further leap, you know, another leap and gets better, you know, get, you know, better defensively, offensively, you know, and then, and then really compete. Um, 
you know, maybe you look at somebody in that in that five position and and move and move Mitch. Mitch is pretty pretty solid, but you know, you might be able to do something. But um, just because you don't make a move doesn't mean you missed out. Uh, what I love about my team in Boston is we waited, you know, to get KP because we've been looking at him for about three years, three, four years, and it just didn't work out because you would have wanted too much for him. You know, so then you get him on a team like Washington and it's only for one player, you know, which it was it was a phenomenal trade, you know. Um, so I think you guys just have to wait your turn and wait for that guy that's at, in the, on the team that has to get rid of him and you can pay cheaper for him, you know. So, yeah, just, I'm showing love. Uh, I like what you, what you guys are doing and I'm looking forward to the upcoming season. Matt, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the high-level basketball talk. I will say to the best of my ability that there's two things that I think you could be not like relaxed with but I think that, like, to your point, are adjustments the front office has made. Number one, that young coach does exist. His name is Johnny Bryant. He's the guy who trained Dame Lillard at Weber State for, when he, or for, for Weber State when he was 18, 19. He's the guy who worked with Gordon Hayward really closely before that All-Star season. He worked a lot with Derek Favors in Utah. Um, and, and most recently and most famously has worked a lot with Donovan Mitchell since he got to Utah into helping him become a star-level player. Johnny Bryant does have input. He's not an assistant coach. He is the associate head coach. And yes, the New York Knicks have been very comfortable paying up to give guys bigger titles just to keep them around. You know, if you look in the Knicks front office, there's no one lead decision maker besides Leon Rose, the president. They don't even have a GM currently named. They, they, they might not even bother. They just know everyone, <laughs> you know, is has a role in these discussions. And so the Knicks do things in a very balanced way where everyone brings their ideas to the table and then Leon kind of is the one that folds through them and, and, and navigates. Uh, and some of, one of the people that brings ideas to the table is Johnny Bryant, who always has suggestions, uh, things he wants to do with the rotations that he's talking to Thibodeau about. Thibodeau will say, no, 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 no. And then the third week of it, it'll be like, okay, let's give it a shot. You know, like it, it does happen. And Thibodeau is stubborn, yes, but that's, that's like I said earlier, that's part of who he is. Um, and every coach in the NBA has a part, like something about who they are that is a fatal flaw of some kind. Um, I think some fatal flaws are worse than others. Thibodeau, you know, unless he has a top three, top five player, I think gives you a, a ceiling of an amazing regular season and a second round exit, um, which is a, means you're a good coach if you can pull that off. So maybe he's not top 10, but I've got him in that 10 to 13 range, uh, which is, you know, above average no matter what. I think, you know, there's a measured way to go about it. The other thing is uh, – Yes, I agree with you on Toppin. He's a fantastic passer. He's a fantastic processor of the game, especially for a power forward. And, and, and like you were talking about with, with finishing at the rim and, and Rado was, he's got great body control for his size around the rim. You see him doing ballet up there in midair, twisting his arm up and under and are also around and then into the basket. He is great at body control around the rim. But, you know, until he developed a three-point shot, um, no one was going to close out hard on him and allow him to cut. So the Knicks had him take 60% of his shots from three this season. Way too many, way too much of a percentage. But I do think there's a healthy medium there as well in regards to developing his game and making sure he can play inside and out. 
I don't think the Knicks have done a good job at it, but I do think the approach has been not nonsensical, even if just not executed well. And like I said earlier, that's kind of the cost they've been willing to pay. If the team makes the second round of the playoffs without using a single draft pick to acquire a star player in the future, like they still have all their picks, all their young players, everything they, they've built with, they still have. Um, they're okay if one young player doesn't look too great if all the others do. I think it's a little silly then because if you drafted him at eighth and you're comfortable with him not reaching productive role player on a contender status, that's kind of acknowledging that you whiffed on the pick. But I think it's a little early for them to be doing that considering the lack of development he's gotten. I would also contend that it's worth it. This team is better than it's been in a decade. If the cost is um, their eighth overall pick not being great, but both of their 25th overall picks being incredible, I think they'll make that trade. I think they're okay pretending they got IQ at eight and Obi at 25. Um, and I'll say this really quickly. Um, yeah, I've always, me and Matt are always going back and forth about this. Tibbs is a good coach. He's not a great coach. He's not a bad coach. He's good. Um, is he on Spolster's level? No. Is he on Popovich's level? No. Is he on Steve Kerr's level? I would say no. But then again, I saw Steve Kerr, I saw the Warriors trade the number two pick in a draft for a second rounder after two years because the coach was like, I'm not, I don't care what you're going to get at. You need to run my stuff. <laughs> and he didn't fit. Um, am I giving Bale to Tom Thibodeau? No, I'm not going to shoot Bale for Tom Thibodeau because if Tom Thibodeau were fired tomorrow, I'd say, well, Tom, thanks for the memories, but it's time to say goodbye. Um, but I think, and I've told Nick fans, I think this happened to way more teams than we think. Like, I think some Knicks fans think we're the only team that has a stubborn head of coach. We're the only team that does certain things. We're the only team that has, that prefers certain players because of agent connections. We're the only team, like, yeah, but um, everything else, Nat, like, I'm with you 100%. Like, th- there is a there is a way for your eighth overall pick to get more time in the rotation. Um, but as long, unfortunately, as long as Tom Thibodeau's ESOS is rim protection, it's just not going to happen here. And as much as I would love to see Tom, uh, Obi Toppin flourish here, hell, he's my son's favorite player. I bought his jersey for him for Christmas. Going full well, it might be a throwback in six months. Um, he needs to go somewhere else to flourish and shine. So, thank you, Nat. Go ahead. No, no, real quick. Um, I don't think that Tibbs is a bad coach. I was questioning the fit for the Knicks. Um, and he's, def- he's definitely not terrible. That's not at all what I'm saying. Um, I have a stubborn head coach uh, in Joe Missoula, who a lot of us wanted to, you know, wanted to wring his neck, you know. A, a young coach with a new offensive philosophy, mind you. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, we wanted to wring his neck, but I calmed down once I saw them retool the, the, the coaching staff. I was like, okay. This makes sense now. You know, I don't think he had a lot of balance last year. I don't think it was all his fault. You know, when guys leave midseason, you know, and, you know, he's thrown into the, you know, into the fire. He did what he could do. We got to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, you know, that does count for something. So um, coaching staff does matter. So as long as you guys have a coaching staff that that obviously balances Tibbs and his his philosophy, I think you'll be okay. Appreciate you, Dad, as always. You're welcome anytime. Um, 
G gods is just throwing us thumbs downs. So I think he would throw he would fire Tom Thibodeau into the sun. Um, all right, last two callers. Uh, we'll go to uh, Kevin Danishevsky, and then we'll G God. I said we the last two callers are going to be Kevin Danishevsky and Ari from Manhattan because I actually have like stuff to do today. Um, but we will have a no, listen. We the next tell you what the next study hall we have. I'm gonna. I'm going to DM you personally, and then you will be first up to talk. So write all this stuff down. Save this. Save the vitriol and bring it. All right. Now, Kevin Denishevsky, who is, um, I'm concerned, who has put um, Eric Spolster into one of the three best head coaches of all time. Five. 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 Five head coaches of all time. And thinks that Phil Jackson is top ten is not is barely top ten because he no, has good top, players. Excuse me, he's six. Don't exaggerate. He, yeah, well, because he, but you, to you downplayed because he has good players, but we're not going to get into that. The floor is yours. No, you we're got? not going to get into that. Uh, I'm going to keep it quick because I'm heading downtown for Pride. Um, so I have seen the discourse. Whether it, it, I think the discourse is a little bit ridiculous, which is really why um, I try to tune everything out except for Nick's Film School and the Strickland because I think you too are the best uh the best in the bit uh, the best in the biz no offense to anyone else uh i just think that uh, i appreciate you but there's a lot of good other uh content creators out there but i appreciate it but uh for sure but 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 for sure that's the those but um just listening to schwinn and jeff yesterday on their uh on their pod i really really um enjoyed their conversation and i feel like i'm at sort of a middle ground between we need to run it back or um we need to we or we need to make tra- trades and improve um and like i push back to like the jeremy cohen's um of the world where it's like oh like you know like it's it's don't worry about next year be, uh like and and like next year like we'll be in the same position because i think we saw from 2020 to uh, 2021 to 2021 22 progress isn't linear in the nba and you never know uh how your assets are, uh, are going to be val- evaluated and uh i have the same worries as as uh, as what uh, jeff said yesterday in, in, in their pot in their pod is in that we get to the trade deadline and our assets are depreciated and everyone's like oh we need to we get to get, need to get tibbs more help but i think what they can do is they can do some addition by subtraction because if you look at the rj randall and i'm gonna write an article about this if you look at the rj randall on offs it's clear that that combination is the problem because and and granted rj can get better on defense and he can sh- and, and, and he can shoot better i get all of that but I do think that with Brunson's contract, with the, with the way it's structured, the window is and, – and with the way the Knicks have, have kind of set themselves up, the window is is now um, because, you know, you don't want to get into the new CBA and then, you know, you have to pay quickly. You have to pay Grimes and you're obviously – and then eventually you're going to have to pay Brunson. Um, so I – the way the way I see it is I think the Knicks need to trade either one of RJ or Randall – I don't care which one, um, and I kind of don't even care that much about the trade either. Like, if we, it, it, I, I think fans are going to riot if we trade RJ for a pick, maybe a protected pick, and salary, and people are going to be really, really upset, and there'll there'll be a lot of good reasons, and I think there are some valid reasons to be upset too, because that means that essentially they chose Tibbs 
over over RJ because I think there's a way to make the Randall RJ thing wor work, but I just don't trust this coach to do to and and this really this organization to do to to, to do so. So uh, and and um and I think that with yeah with Tibbs at the helm, it's 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 not gonna it's not gonna happen. And then but uh you know I, I and then I think like you could go to lineups where you have IQ. The star starting at the two and Grimes at this at three. You could go to lineups where you have IQ starting at the two and Doug and Hart at the three. Grimes at the two and Hart at the three. We see those lineups work and something I haven't looked into and I kind of want to look and I kind of want. I suspect that the numbers will be really good. Is Jalen Brunson's on off, um, insofar as when he is playing without RJ and Randall because when he I think or is Brunson's. Defensive uh, defensive struggles get exacerbated with those two on the court, and that's also my problem with just trading for Zach Levine without bringing someone in like a Pascal Siakam because Levine's not great on defense either, and you're gonna and you're and, and you're gonna exacerbate some some of the problems. So I think the offseason is rather simple. Um, if we get a star back for and package them, great. If we if we don't. But just just decide on a player and decide in a direction and take that because I think it's it's going to be addition by subtraction. It's no offense to either of those players because both are, are very skilled and talented, um, but they need to pick one. I suspect they'll pick Randall because I think uh, it, it, like the evaluation will be a little bit easier to trade RJ. Um, but yeah, we'll see, um, we'll see what happens. Um, and uh, I got to get downtown. But uh, peace out, everybody. Have fun, Kev. Have fun, Kev. Uh, the only thing I will say to that is, so I agree, like, and I think we will agree, like, the, the data said that uh, RJ and Randall do not work together and they're going to have to pick one. At the same time, I will, there's, this front office has done nothing to suggest that they would trade RJ Barrett for, like, a pick and some salary filler and player. Like, like, and that's one thing this front office is showing you is that they value value and they don't they don't just give guys away. They move guys in a manner that is congruent to their team building philosophy and they don't just quit on guys. Or else Obi Toppin would have been out of here six months ago. Um so uh but I appreciate you again as always. Thank you. I can't wait to argue with you about uh um, Yeah, Sean, just quickly, I know we say that a lot that we value value, but I do want to push back on that just a little bit with like the Alec. They probably could have gotten more in the Alec Burks than the Larry Liz Noel, Kemba Walker. But I think they realized, yeah, this is addition by subtraction. Also, like obviously the Brunson making room for Brunson was really important at that point. So Brunson, I think it's more Brunson of a, and more of a front office than we give them credit for. And I think that they might that that, that uh, they might do it. They might not. But I know that's what they should do. Say it again, Chris. Brunson and Hartenstein. Um. Jeremy Cohen, shout out to him. Always points out that people. Yeah, Brunson and Hardstein, yeah. People, not Kev, not Kev, not Kev, but people um, do purposely leave out Hardenstein from that because it's easier for them to be like, and all we got was Jalen Brunson, and we could have gotten him anyway because. And it's like, okay, well, that's that's nice that you feel that way, but uh, that's not true. So you know, you know, oh, if he's Leon's family, he would have he would have signed for less. It's like he he did sign for less. He signed for nothing, and he also took a descending contract. He that the, that's the family stuff right there. Is the descending contract the 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 fact that the Knicks are paying less to Jalen Brunson over the next. Or rather, in year three of his career, Jalen Brunson's making less money than John Collins will be making at that point in time. 
Um, Bojan Bogdanovic is making about that amount right now, something like that. Like, it's just really comical how little he signed for. That's the family connection. And um, for a fan base that cares so much about how a team allots its cap space, there seems to be no mention of, of that deal being smart. So, you know, it's just that at a certain point, it makes me just be like, ah, people are going to complain no matter what, which I wish I wasn't that way because I do like analyzing each thing as its own individual debate. But if so many of the debates are in bad faith, it, it gets a little tiring. So that's why I love study hall because all the debates are in good faith. And you guys come up here with questions and, and with takes and with things you're passionate about and we get to we get to have play idea ping pong as i like to call it and go back and forth so that is my little note on why i appreciate you all well said chris what's up knicks fans express your style and build a look that's made just for you oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities do you run golf train or just want to look like your favorite athlete then you need to get yourself a pair of oakley's today Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Nick's Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to Oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. And last caller for the day, my man Ari from Manhattan. Uh, the floor is yours. What you got, what you want to talk about, what you want to discuss. Go ahead, brother. What up, guys? Um, salute to you. Good conversation. Um, Sean, it was good meeting you in person, putting you know face to the name and, and, and hanging out for a little bit, so that was fun. Absolutely. Um, Same here. Hopefully, 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 uh, looking forward to watching more games with you, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um <clears throat> I actually agree. All right, so I have a lot to say, but I actually agree with uh, Nikola Jokic fan over here um, with the Randall and RJ thing. Uh, not even just from a statistical standpoint, but from just an eye test. If you just like see, like I, I do sports betting sometimes, right? And like every time I know Randall's out, I take the RJ over and I hit maybe eighty-five percent of the time. And whenever whenever RJ's out, I take the Randall overs and I hit it usually like. 70% of the time, right? So, and that's just, forget about the data. From the eyes, it looks the same. The problem is that the Knicks' three highest usage players, right, are all ball dominant and all at their best when they have the ball in their hands. And then the fourth player on offense is a complete zero in Mitch, who doesn't do anything, and you have no ball movement. And what ends up happening is, in order for the Knicks to do well, they need Jalen Brunson to play like Allen Iverson, and Jalen Brunson's so nice sometimes that he actually could do it. He had a stretch of like 20 games where he averaged over 30 points and like 50%, some ridiculous statistics, like, and the Knicks won games. So 
it's a perfect like that's the problem. They have three tuba ball dominant guys, and Mitch doesn't do anything on offense, and the ball doesn't move right. Now it's a perfect segue to why Tom Thibodeau's a fucking piece of shit, okay, and sucks, all right. And that's what I and it's because the reason why the Knicks won, right, is not because of fucking Thibodeau being a good coach. It's because of Jalen Brunson being really fucking good, all right. To hear Chris say that the rotation changes weren't Tibbs is perfect. It's beautiful for me to hear because he's so stubborn that he won't make any changes whatsoever, okay? The team last year without Jalen Brunson missed the playoffs when they should have made the playoffs, okay? This season, they get Jalen Brunson and they're, autumn, and, they're, and, they're good, and they're better, right? It's like people mistake good coaching for wins and losses as opposed to actually thinking through what the coach does. They're just so lazy. They're like, oh, the, the Knicks have a better record than they did when Derek Fisher was, was coach. They have a better record than when Fisdale was coach. So Tom Thibodeau must be a good coach. Like that's how ignorant these, some people are. That's how stupid people are. They have no nuance. They don't look into the fact that Fisdale had a, a team that was tanking on purpose and, and Tom Thibodeau has two, quote-unquote, all-star, all-NBA guys. They don't look into that. They just look, oh, win, loss, Thibodeau's good, all right? So when Chris said, like, I actually had a little hope that maybe Tom Thibodeau did wake up and made those changes himself, but knowing that he was forced into those changes just reinforces my belief that he's a fucking awful coach, okay? And I wouldn't say awful, but listen, the guy's a 31-41 and 41 record in the playoffs, Okay. He's played on amazing teams with amazing talent. He had the youngest MVP ever, right? He had an amazing, like, and he has not performed in the playoffs, right? He's stunting the growth of Obi Toppin and even Quentin Grimes and, and all of the young players because of his insistence and infatuation with win-now journeymen, work-hard guys like fucking Josh Hart and, like, you know, um, you know, Randall or whatever, you know, the, the, it's the vets that they do, right? When you add Josh Hart to the equation, you're by definition stunting the growth of either Emmanuel Quickly or Quentin Grimes because they're going to play less minutes. They're going to have less high-impact moment, like, plays on the game, and they're, and they're not going to get as many touches, and you're impacting the growth. So it's not just Obi that's getting the lack of growth. And it all goes down to the culture of Tibbs. Like, he, the thing about Tibbs that he's good at is he makes his team, he's very well prepared, right? You know, every, like he's a very well prepared coach and his best, his best strength as a coach is his ability to get his team to compete hard every single night. And that'll by accident get you 40 games, right? If you just work harder than every other team in the regular season, because half these teams are load managing or, you know, they're, they're not playing or they're hungover or whatever. Like Thibodeau's very good at getting his team to connect, to play hard every game. But I'm a guy who wants to win a championship before I die. And I don't give a fuck about the playoffs. Right. And if the guy can't make adjustments and he doesn't, he doesn't have the future of the organization, a priority as opposed to his own win loss record. I can't have that asshole on my team. So that's why, I think he's a, a bad coach in today's NBA, and I agree with Nat, um, who was talking before. Can I throw in a one sentence, one sentence like note, not a counter, just a note? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going? I'm gonna wrap it up soon anyway. But oh, yeah, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not trying to rush you off the stage either, man. I'm not. I'm not trying to hit you with the Looney Tunes hook. You know, I just, <laughs> I just wanted to add in that. 
I think I think the philosophy is that the front office is the one with the long term in mind, and then they wanted the coach to be a win every game kind of coach, just so they could be as good as possible on their way up to the top. Which you can disagree with if if you are especially someone who who believes in developmental reps um, being having bad results but being worth it uh, as a thing. Then yeah, and, and you know I believe in that too. But for teams like Houston and Charlotte, teams like New York, they're already better than a lot of the other teams in the East that have invested future draft picks. Atlanta, Chicago, these teams aren't better than the Knicks or close to it. And the Knicks have more flexibility, more ways up to the top than them. So I think the mindset of, hey, the front office is going to pave the road forward. We just need Tom Tibbs. And like you said, I'm going to even specify more just to to your point. What Tibbs is really great at doing is getting guys to all buy in with the same goal. Because a lot of times you can get buy in from different guys, but you can be like Mark Jackson telling one guy that another guy wants his job and then telling the starters that the bench guys want their job and telling the bench guys that the starters think they suck and you can get everyone to hate each other, but they'll all be trying to play their individual best. Thibodeau does prioritize getting the team bought in on one goal, which is you can play well and get paid, but if we play well, we all get paid. And that, to me, is a very good balance of the human desires that come in part with being an NBA player as well as prioritizing winning. So I do think that that mindset that you want, it exists in the organization and it takes precedence over Thibodeau's mindset. But they do enjoy having Thibodeau's mindset on a game-to-game basis. All right, that's actually. I mean, listen, you're the inside. I don't know. I don't know the actual ins and outs of this. I mean, it's good to hear that Leon Rose is actually, or whatever the front office, whoever it is, has that vision in mind. But the problem is, you know, it's, it, you kind of alluded to it, but it's like these, you know, these win, these wins now come at a at a at a cost of future wins, right? And and um, you know, not not if you show a superstar that you have a, an infrastructure that they can insert themselves into. Because Brooklyn played a lot of journeymen, and it got them Irving and Durant. And while I know getting Irving and Durant isn't necessarily the gift-wrapped uh, golden bar that many presented it as, it's what many Knicks fans at the time wanted and didn't have access to because the team was seen as a laughingstock league-wide. And I can tell you guys, after the 2021 We Here season, I reached out to player agents and to sources across the league who all pretty much agreed that that one season from the Knicks was not enough for them to see them as not a laughing stock, that they wouldn't be rushing their clients over there. Now the change has been made because the Knicks have set a precedent that they're a team that's trying to win. And they did it again this season, being the fifth seed and, and winning that matchup. And I'll give, give them an even more recent example. Um, the Miami Heat, who a lot of Knicks fans love to um, praise and fillet how good Pat Riley's Spolsters is. They brought back, they re-signed the core of a 41-win team. They ran that joint back. Hey, let's bring back Deion Waiters and James Johnson and, and whoever. And two years later, Jimmy Butler was like, I want to go there. And that now, I'm not saying that they're all right, but what I am saying is that that kind of happens more than we realize, but we as Knicks fans are just like, no, oh, we're screwed or, or, or what have you. So um, I do think there needs, they does need to be that balance. Most coaches are going to be win now. And I think the idea that like most coaches aren't win now, like is 
not that you're saying it, Ari, but I think people are like, oh, I want, I don't want this close. All they want is wins. Most coaches want wins. Like, think about the one win now, the one not win now coach we had. That not we, but in the league, Brett Brown was told, hey, you get to lose all you want until we get good. And as soon as they got good, they said, hey, Brett, thank you very much. There goes the door. Yeah. No. Listen. I, first of all, the Brooklyn Nets when they got Katie and Kyrie, they had two max slots of uh, cap space. The Knicks are capped out right now. So. Well, cap space isn't real anymore. So that's the difference. That's n- nothing. None of that is real. In fact, yeah, I know. I agree. Yeah, yeah that's contract. Sure. The contract of an Evan Fournier is like dead ass more valuable than the just the twenty million cap space because no one's getting signed anymore. It's all trades and signing trades. Exactly. I yeah, that, I agree. Use is sticky. But here's the thing, if it's all trades and signing trades, then the player doesn't really have the 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 as much leverage to dictate to where they want to go. And teams could like why would why would like what's his name? A Cuban wanna trade Luka Doncic or like, you know what I mean? It it it, it takes a little player empowerment away. My issue and I'm gonna wrap it up here, but like I don't have a problem running it back and making minor upgrades. Like I don't have a problem with that. The only reason I kind of have a problem with that is because the Knicks haven't been drafting their players the past two years. That's what pisses me off. Again, you don't have to use these. You don't you, like you don't have to get the you know a top five pick or whatever. But if you have your picks, you shouldn't punt on it and go to the next draft or trade it. So you can just overpay Josh Hart to take minutes away from Quentin Grimes and quickly. Like, I don't see the point in doing that. I think it's fucking stupid. But I've, if as long as the front office just – they listen, because of the new CBA, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to stay patient, wait for the right guy to become available during trade, like for trades, if that ever does happen. And instead of trading their picks for bench players, they should just draft the player. You could find Josh Hart in pick 23. He was the 30th pick. You could find a cheaper Josh Hart in the draft. Quentin Grimes today, in my opinion, is better than Josh Hart. Okay? So I don't like that shit. That's the shit that pisses me off. Why don't they draft their players, bro? Like, are we just going to wait until fucking one of the top seven players in the NBA demands a trade and then not draft any players and just watch Randall dribble between his legs 40 times again and take a step back jumper? Like... What like what's the goal here? I don't I like I don't see the goal. That's the problem. This is why I think people get upset or not upset, but we're concerned about going all in on mid because you get in a situation. They'd be all in if they were using future draft picks. They have every single one of them. Right, I know, but they're not waiting for a star. And and uh, you know, I know that sucks because as a fan, (laughs) being told to wait. It being told to wait by anyone, for me personally, you know, I had waiting rooms at the doctor, whatever, I'll put up with it. Like, I got to wait in a 45-minute line for ice cream. I'm just not getting the ice cream. I, you know, I have raging ADHD. I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, but, but here's the thing. You know how, like, we don't know how long we're going to wait. That's the thing. When do you think a guy, like, how often does a top five player in the NBA, like an Anthony Davis trade or like a mellow trade go down in the NBA? It's not very often. 22 star trades in the last two seasons. Yeah, but there's a lot. Of, there's there's been a star and a mega. Star. We, we need a real star. There's a difference. Like Paul George doesn't count. Like I'm talking about like a real star, an Embiid or some shit like that. How often does a trade like that happen? Because that's what you're gonna need. Listen, I'll do Paul George trade two years, whatever. Give up, give up one of the fake Washington first round picks, whatever. I would do that, but they're not gonna win anything. Like if we're trying to win something, there's seven players in the league that we need. How are we gonna get that guy? Think about who's won championships. Kobe, LeBron, Michael Jordan, Elijah. Like, I'm trying to win a chip, bro. 
So it's like, yes, I understand the theory of waiting for someone to demand a trade, but unless it's Giannis, Jokic, Luka, Tatum, SGA, so someone really good, I, then, I don't see the team ever trading that person. You missed the one that I think is their target, and one being his number can, can be your hand. Um, I would go be a bookworm if I were you and read up on stars that the Knicks are connected with. That, that, those are your hints. Dude, I'm fucking – listen, I'm, I'm, I'm smoking a little bit. Just tell me who it is. Number one in Phoenix, Devin Booker. That's what I thought. All right. All right. Uh, listen, I like Booker. Listen, if that's the case and they get him and they have Jalen Brunson, Booker, and you trade Randall for somebody else, like I think that team – Maybe, but like they gotta know that. Then they gotta like they they can't be. They have to know that they are in a very good position to land that player in the future. And I think they are because they tra- they traded the whole team to win now. So if yeah, they don't- I was gonna say uh, Booker since twenty twenty when I worked with Sports Illustrated, I've reported that he's their number one target um, with a high level of confidence. And they acquired Durant and everyone was kind of like, well, there goes that. And I was like, have you guys seen what happened to the last two teams that acquired Durant? Like (laughs) I just, the last team, you know, Brooklyn swept in the first round, Phoenix out in the second. Now they trade the rest of their depth for honestly, maybe hot take. I I like the Bradley Beal trade for Phoenix more if they didn't have Durant Beal, Booker, Bridges, Johnson, Aiton. I I think you're cooking, but uh, the guy who hasn't made it out of the second round since 2019, not so sure. Thing is, the thing is that that championship window is as long as Kevin Durant can play, and like he's gonna be thirty-five or thirty-six or some shit, coming off an Achilles, and I tore my Achilles playing ball. Actually, like I don't know how he's gotten to the level again, but like I just once he once once he takes a, a steep decline and he falls off a cliff, which will eventually happen. I think it'll be in the next two years. That team's going to be ass. They're going to have no picks, and they're going to have to flip Booker to start the rebuild. So I actually do think that is a possibility, but it's not like anytime soon. It's like in two, three years, probably. I was going to say like a, a year, a year, the two years, two years is is the twenty twenty five off season. I've long outlined the twenty four and twenty five off seasons as when they make that jump and they officially start their clock. And it's been lining up so far. Each, as each year goes by since 2020, it still lines up. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to roll with that until I'm proven wrong, which could very well happen. But we're, we're three years into it, and I haven't been proven wrong. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep right. You know, it's like when you're betting a baseball team's win streak. you got to keep going until they lose. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know. Whatever. It, it just – I just want the Knicks to draft their players whenever they're drafted and, and stop trying to take the easy way out and trade players – Trade trade a pick for a ready now player because that's not how you accrue value in the league. Like rebuilding teams, they'll draft they'll draft a Deontay Murray in the thirtieth pick or something, and then three years later they'll flip him for three first round picks, and that's how you add value to your team. You by drafting and rebuilding. The Knicks don't do that. That's what pisses me off. But I don't want to waste too much time. Thank you for the call, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming up. Love the discourse. Love the back and forth. Uh, Thanks, Ari. Appreciate your perspective, dude. Yeah, I appreciate it. And listen, me and I already always agree, but I always understand where Ari's coming from. So, like, again, in Nick's order, we don't want to have to agree, but if I understand where you're coming from, there's, like, a message to your manager that there's, like, okay, I, I get it. That's fine. Because if everyone in the room is thinking the same thing, no one is thinking, right? So, appreciate you, Ari. Um, fortunately, it's a B still, and we have to go. 
I have to go be a husband and a father. Um, who are we supposed to do for 90 minutes? We're at two, we're at the two hour mark, but I do want to say, so come, pull up for our next space. Um, I will have you and, um, G guys at the front of the line. I appreciate everyone who came to speak. Ari, Matt, Kevin, uh, Rado, uh, Robert Cross. There's some Mensa. I appreciate everyone who pulled up. We're going to, I, we are going to try to have another one within the next few weeks, probably after free agency. I know it will definitely be, uh, a, yeah, probably the next few weeks. It won't be, it won't be next weekend though. I just want to have weekend. I can go to hell. Um, but not, do not go to hell. I love you all. And I seriously, truly mean that um, this does not work without you. As I, we've said before, Chris and I can just talk back. We can just talk to each other on the phone back and forth. We love hearing from you all. We love hearing your takes. We love hearing um, your approach to the game, to how the Knicks should build their team and where we, where we should go from here. Um, and we hope to see you soon. Um, Chris, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Shout out to every single person that came up to stage. Shout out to every single person that listened and didn't add anything, but just liked enjoying a little a little radio hour or two here on Sundays, as Jess said on the timeline, which I appreciate. A little radio vibe from us always on Study Hall, which I you know I grew up listening to WM, uh, to NPR, so uh, I, I love it. And, and thanks to everyone who sent in comments or um, just even asked for this show to happen. The show's for you, so we hope you enjoyed it. And we hope you have a nice week. Yep, I appreciate everyone. And the last thing I'll say, because Chris can't take part in this, but I can. Um, I think I, I may follow in Ari's footsteps and, and, and roll up and roll and roll something up. I think I'm going to roll up this heat pack because the heat tears, the fact that they believe that they did not win the NBA championship because of Josh Hart, quote-unquote, injured Jimmy Butler, is the copium that I always needed, and I will smoke that shit every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. Because now I can go to sleep at night knowing that the Knicks prevented the Heat from winning the tent, from winning the NBA Finals, and the Knicks and the Knicks stopped playing basketball a month before the Heat did. So anytime any Heat fan wants to slide in your mentions and talk shit to you, just remember, you can tell them, we prevented you from winning the NBA championship. And there's absolutely nothing they can say about it. Or if they disagree with you, then they that means that their takes, that their copium takes were silly. Um, and I can say these things because I am not a professional journalist, unlike Chris Percyonis. So I will take that and I will put that in my pipe and I will smoke it. And for Chris Percyonis and for everyone at Next Film School, thank you very much. Have a great week. Have a great week. I hope you're enjoying your summer. Stay cool. Stay dry. Drink responsibly. Gamble responsibly. And let's go next.